podcast with jacob guerrero well, thank you for joining thank you for yeah. being a part of base to base um of course. i want to ask when did you know music was going to be a part of your life <sighs> hmm. i don't know probably i think what i first started getting kind of like the urges to play music very very young probably when i was like four or five years old i have like very distinct memories of listening to like Everclear and the Goo Goo Dolls with my dad and just like being really like entranced by like the sounds, you know? And then I think as I started to get into like bands like My Chem, Blink, you know, all the classics and like Fall Out Boy and stuff. I think like Fall Out Boy was the one where I was like, oh, I want to sing. Like <laughs> this, this, that's what I want to do. Um, yeah, so probably just like, as early as I started listening to music, I was like, I want to make this. Um, what's, what's the first instrument that you picked up? I played piano first. Um, my mom's mom was a blues pianist. And so she kind of like taught me a good bit, did some lessons. And then I kind of fell off of those, but I always kind of kept playing. I think I got my first guitar when I was like eight years old, maybe. But I never really like, got that good at playing it. I took a couple lessons and like learned some chords. Um, yeah, piano and guitar were like pretty simultaneous, I would say, within like a year or two of each other. Nice. When did you like start wanting to learn songs and like wanting to write? Cool. That's kind of a tough one. I <laughs> I have this like kind of weird anecdote that I think about a lot. There was this um, Disney Channel original movie called Pixel Perfect, which was about, you know, a band looking for a lead singer and this person auditions like a hologram. And basically the person who wanted to be the lead singer, she then like writes this song on her acoustic guitar, like, you know, lamenting the situation. And like that, like genuinely like that scene, I was like, oh, I want to write like sad, like acoustic music. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and yeah, was it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, so did just that experience from like your first like classes just help you like write music like with just those chords or like how did you learn more chords and like expand your music knowledge? I kind of just kept learning by ear at a certain point. I think probably around when I was like 12 or 13, I started really like trying to write songs. Mm -hmm. Um and I was listening at the time I was listening to a lot of like, you know, like folk music and like like the Avett Brothers, Iron and Wine, bands like that, Boney Bear, like, and so that kind of gave me like sort of a baseline for like how to sort of structure songs in that way. Um and yeah, I think I, I obviously was very lucky to have had the like initial knowledge from actually taking lessons but i never took lessons for very long i always got really frustrated with them because i just wanted to like play fucking punk music or whatever um and but like having that like kind of theory knowledge naturally made it a little bit easier for me to kind of construct like progressions and you know 
but my lyrical content was <laughs> god awful back then <laughs> very very cliche uh but i was doing my best and you know it's all part of the the journey right to like get where you are yeah uh my lyrical content's definitely cliche and pretty <laughs> pretty weak how how did you get to that next level i think it was just uh, listening to so much music just all the time and really like thinking about lyrics um and also i think learning more about like classical like poetry and stuff really helped um about kind of like the the different ways that you can construct like verse or anything like that like whether it's narrative or like sonnets stuff like that um but really i i would just a lot of times latch on to these like phrases from you know artists that i was listening to and i would try to kind of like imitate that like which is kind of i i think uh, the way a lot of people learn how to do anything is just by imitating it first especially when you get into those like weird kind of metaphorical stuff like i remember listening to a lot of like purity ring or like pop band um in high school and their lyrical content is kind of just like it's like off the rails like it's like what what does this mean and it kind of solidified for me that you can really like take any emotion you have and establish like an abstraction to that in like a really cool way and there are no real rules for it which is really nice um but i think at its, at its core at least now i try very hard to not get too lost in the metaphor because i think that like honesty and like vulnerability is also very important um and there are plenty of bands that i like that also like abide by that i think it it is almost a little bit shocking sometimes when someone is extremely vulnerable and extremely honest about an experience through their music and i've always wanted to kind of find the the nice middle ground between like getting lost in like a heady metaphor and also still staying grounded to like what is true and what is real um because then people can kind of relate to it in a more positive way i think yeah absolutely um you brought up like purity ring and some other bands who i don't really feel are like mainstream bands <laughs> yeah. like how did you uh growing up like how did you discover new music or bands like that so my my dad was a wrestling coach and so he often would make like mix cds of like what his wrestlers liked so on those, it was a lot of like, you know, My Chem and Blink and like rock bands like that. Um, and also some like heavier bands like Poison the Well, who is a band I really love and like Drop Dead Gorgeous, who I love also. Um, so that kind of gave me like a really good baseline um, to start. But then it was just, you know, I as I got older, I was going to shows and like going to Warp Tour and getting like people's like, um, like compilations and stuff. I remember getting the like Epitaph comp mm -hmm. and it had like, uh, what, oh, I can't even remember what bands were on it now. But I do, rem I do remember distinctly getting some compilation and the band Viara was on there and I lost my mind. I was like, I've never heard anything like this. And I would just, I would add so many things. I, when I discovered LimeWire, it was like over, you know? <laughs> I was just like downloading everything. Um, and then I had a friend in high school that we were in art class together and we had this kind of weekly ritual where we would make each other a playlist 
and I would find a lot of new music uh, from him. And he kind of introduced me to the kind of like art pop side of things, which was really interesting because at that point I, I, you know, I liked Taylor Swift because I lived in an area where a lot like country music was kind of the norm. Um, but as far as like pop stars, it was like, I liked Britney Spears, you know, like I didn't really know that there was like kind of this, <laughs> I was going to say seedy underbelly, but I really mean like underground scene of like pop bands. And I remember like finding like Sylvan Esso, Purity Ring, bands like that. Sleigh Bells, I think was probably on some of those lists who are one of my favorite bands. And yeah, that, that kind of like share of music with somebody who was like not listening to the same scene I was, was like really, really beneficial for me because I don't think I would be making the music that I am now if I didn't have those kind of like formative bands, right? And that's really awesome. That's really cool about the sharing like each other's playlists and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you brought up Britney Spears. The Toxic cover <laughs> was amazing. Oh, thank you. I was so excited when Jeremy asked me to do that. I was like, Brittany is my queen. I have to do this justice. I have to, I worked so hard. It, I feel like I like retook those vocals like a hundred times. Cause I was like, if this isn't good, I'm slamming my queen's name. I can't do this. <laughs> um, so when something like that comes up, uh, do you just record at home? Yeah. Yeah. I, with this microphone that I'm speaking into right now, exactly it, <laughs> right, right here. This is where the magic happens. Um, yeah, I try to get a good, it's, it's interesting living in a house full of musicians because there's always a lot of sound going on. Um, so I, I really had to be cautious about when I would be able to have like a silent space to do so, but it's a condenser mic. So they're, they're really magical in a way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This, this bad boy right here, yeah. we use it for everything. Um, so like right now you have get tough and that's just you like was your idea of making music like always an idea of just you by yourself or did you also imagine yourself like in a band and stuff I know you play bass in other bands yeah <laughs> um well my kind of like start into music was solo I probably started playing shows when I was like 13 or so um and it was just like me up there with an acoustic or with a uke or with a keyboard or whatever. Um, and I always had a lot of fun with that. I always much preferred the like the sound, not just like the camaraderie of a live band, but the sound of it. And I always wanted to be a part of it. And it just kind of happened out of nowhere that I ended up in bands because I, I kind of just assumed I'd be playing solo until I could find people who wanted to play with me. And then I ended up when I was 17, I was at an after party for, I think like a real friends show or something <laughs> at someone's house. And I was singing along to, I think it was a front bottom song. <laughs> and someone approached me who I did not know. And they were like, you have a good voice. Do you play bass? And I said, no. <laughs> and they said, do you play any instruments? I was like, I play keys and guitar. And they were like, okay, you play bass. And so I started playing bass in my old band, Everyone Leaves. I was in for like five years or so. Um, and I just, I like latched onto it so fast. And it definitely is, I love the the atmosphere of being in a band. I love like jamming with people when, when you really lock in with people. It, like that's magic, you know? 
and getting to like collaborate. Um, but I kind of knew that I needed to still be writing stuff for myself or I wasn't going to feel fulfilled. So I just kind of started writing more songs, mostly while I was on the road. I would just be like playing around on my iPad in GarageBand, you know, starting to make little bleep bloop sounds. And yeah, and it kind of grew into this thing where now I am making this music all by myself, but I also have such an opportunity to collaborate with like whoever I want, which is a lot of freedom. It can be really isolating too, though, to kind of be doing the whole process, you know, because I am recording myself and I'm mixing myself and I'm doing all this production for myself. And so I, I would be nothing like I, I, I like to say that I do all this myself, but so much of the, my process is me just doing something and then like sending it to one of my friends and being like, is this anything like is this good because i don't i do not know how to trust myself in that right so something i'm working on is learning to trust my own instincts when working on stuff alone but i really like at the end of the day i love working with other people it's just there's just nothing quite like it yeah i i definitely agree um so you when you played bass like when the, you started learning like what was your process then? Like to just say, hey, you play guitar, so you, you play bass, <laughs> which is honestly like happens to so many people. Oh my gosh, it always <laughs> happens to people. That's like this, I feel like that's the story for so many bassists is they were like, well, I used to play guitar, but then someone needed a bassist. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so when you, when you took that role, like how did you like prepare for it? So I, I didn't really know where to start. I knew that I really liked the bass parts in a lot of songs, especially like my chem and stuff, those bass lines are so great. I think I think about Fences by Paramore a lot. That bass line like is in the back of my head like at all times. Um, but I think the the thing that really gave me the kind of intuition that I needed is I I used to sing barbershop and I sang the bass part in my barbershop quartet and in choruses and stuff. And it has such a similar, it's, it's like the exact same as playing bass. Like it's the same type of parts. Um, so as like, just when I first started playing, I was just learning the songs for the band I was in. But then as I started to like, kind of write stuff on my own, I was referencing so much of my knowledge from like doing acapella stuff. And it was kind of funny to like meld those worlds and, and see the ways that they were so similar. Um, and I feel like I, I learned a lot more about rhythm too, especially when you're trying to be this bridge, you know, between like the melodic parts of a song and like the rhythmic parts and learning to really like listen to the drums. Like that was something that I, I think had to really like teach myself was like paying attention to those sort of like subdivisions of the beat and stuff like that. Um, and that part was really fun. And I, it's now it's my favorite part of playing bass is like finding those little weird accents and stuff. But just starting out, it was like extremely daunting trying to like, you know, I'm just staring at our drummer, just like praying that like we're hitting these things at the same time. Um, yeah, yeah. But it was definitely a process, I would say. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I see your bass behind you. What, what bass are you uh, jamming now? So that is actually my, I would say it's my my B bass. My A bass is next to me, which is 
like an American standard jazz uh, from like 2001. This is hotly contested. I, I Google this all the time. I can never figure out exactly what model this bass is because it has like the, the like plates on it. And so many, like I always said it was a 72 reissue because I think that's what the tag okay. said when I bought it used at Guitar Center. Um, but that was years ago, so I don't, I don't really remember. Yeah. And so I, all the time I Google it, I'm just like, can I figure out the model of this bass? Never been able to figure it out. I'm gonna keep saying it's a 72 reissue. It's some sort of 70s <laughs> looking thing with, with like the metal plates on it. I love that thing though. It's so nice. <laughs> yeah, awesome. That is definitely my A bass. <laughs> and um, do you play like, or when you record, do you just record straight into your like interface? Yeah, yeah. I I would like to start um, tracking like with amps and stuff, but we don't really have a good setup for it here. Um, Nick, who plays in Grey Matter and also records bands, um, and we've been talking about how we can set up some sort of booth in our basement where we can like blast amps um, and actually record them. But right now I just mess with, I'm like straight into the interface and I've got some like really good like pedal clones. Yeah. We love plugins, you know? Uh, me too. Love it. <laughs> yeah, just amp sims, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, so how'd you get involved? Uh, so your first band, like, now you play bass in three bands, is that right? Yes, right? yes. So how'd, how'd you get involved with them? Um, so for Jetty Bones, which was the first band, well, first band after my first band. Yeah. <laughs> That's confusing. <laughs> um, so my old band, Everyone Leaves, took Jetty Bones on tour, and we just kind of played as her backing band just to make it easy so we could all be in one band. And then after that tour, she was like, you want to keep doing this? And I was like, yes. <laughs> uh, so that one was pretty easy. And now I've been in that band for about four years now, which is pretty wild to think about, actually. Um, and then for the weekdays, it's really funny that I played a show with them in my old band. Uh, and I like loved their whole thing. And but they were playing as a two piece with tracked bass and i always thought that was really cool uh kept listening to the band love the record you know whatever and then i end up at south by in 2017 and i like meet up with them well funny enough me and, <laughs> me and dustin matched on tinder because <laughs> i was using tinder to see who of my friends were there and i was just like oh that's dustin from the weekdays you know and then i was just like oh yeah like i'm excited to like see you guys play like you know we're here um and then like they did their set and we're like hanging out outside the venue and i was just like yeah this is like awesome i love your record like if you ever want a real basis though <laughs> hit me up and then like a month later i was playing in the band <laughs> so um that was really cool safe face was uh that was like a long time coming sort of thing for me i i used to be i would say i still am like number one safe face fan huge fan toured with them uh twice in my old band and just like loved it and i always was just like oh my god i want to play bass in this band so bad this is all i want and uh then it just so happened that like it like 
they finally had a basis leave and Tyler hit me up and was just like, Hey, I know we've been talking about how it would be cool for you to play bass in this band for years. Do you, do you want to do it for real this time? And I was just like, ah! <laughs> like, yes, 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 I do. <laughs> it's just like, it's so much fun too. Cause Tyler is like my best friend in the world. And you know, we've been friends for years. So the fact that we are finally in a band together is just like, it's so nice. It's just like so wonderful to like play together. I think the first time I saw a photo of us on stage together on the tour that we did, I, I literally started crying. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> oh my gosh. I like, cause if you had told me the first time I saw that band, you know, in 2016, when I did a tour with them, like, Hey, in like, five years you're going to be in this band I'd be like you're crazy <laughs> like and here we are so the issue is that I really like playing music with my friends so if anybody asks me to be in a band I say yes <laughs> yeah I, I feel that for sure yeah so, so being involved in so many music uh, or so many bands and music how was um how did you handle the pandemic or this quarantine it was it's pretty weird because at first I was just like I think everybody was just like, what do we do now? Like, do we keep making music? Do we try to like do any sort of like performance things? And then um, it became very clear that there was going to be no performing for quite some time. Um, and so throughout that time, um, worked on the Safe Face record with Tyler, usually just like via FaceTime. <laughs> um, and was working on the weekdays album as well and then got to record both of those albums over the winter which was really nice like getting to really get in a room with everybody and like actually formulate how those songs were going to go and it gave me the time to make the get tough record which i would have never expected i really did not think that i was ever going to like have the time to really sit and do it but I, it gave me kind of a unique opportunity to spend a lot of time right here at my desk uh working on music and so it was actually like such a productive time to make music because i ended up getting to do three albums <laughs> like um yeah so it i think the hardest part was just trying to keep like the motivation going you know because it's like when the future is so uncertain like how do you make any sort of plan? Like, cause you know that all those plans could go awry at any moment. So I, I think I ended up with like the best case scenario of all of the plans that ended up happening. Um, and I had so much fun getting to play a bunch of live streams like that. That was actually like really great for me as just specifically for get tough stuff because I hadn't really gotten to play many shows with this project before the pandemic i think i maybe played like three shows and only two with like an actual backing band and so getting to like really experiment with that set and what those songs could be was really really great for me because i was just like i i don't know like what's the live set gonna be for this band like somehow i have to figure it out and then a bunch of people gave me really wonderful opportunities to really play with that and you know, I'm blessed to have musicians in the house who are just already there and they also wanted to play music really bad. So uh, that was just really great. But yeah, it, it was definitely hard to keep the motivation 
to like want to create anything though. So I, I commend everybody else who was able to kind of get through that and make awesome art during such an uncertain time. For sure. I, I want to bring up your uh, album, like in your writing process, um, like how, what is your process like? Like, do you block out times where you're like, hey, from this time to this time, I'm going to write, or is it just kind of comes naturally? It usually comes pretty naturally. Um, I work from home, so I'm pretty much just here at my desk at all times during the day. Um, and a lot of times I'll end up with kind of a phrase stuck in my head or oftentimes if I'm like in a conversation with somebody, I'm always like taking little notes on my phone um, of just like little phrases or like little things that people say um, as kind of like a jumping off point. I never know if I'm gonna use them, but a lot of times I end up doing that. And I would say that my best writing though, and this is terrible for me health-wise, but the best writing for me comes when I am extremely sleep deprived and it's like four in the morning and I'm just like kind of crawling over to my desk to like track down some like MIDI chords and then write some absolute nonsense down. <laughs> um, I always end up with like such an interesting product then I think because I'm kind of not of conscious mind in those moments. Um, yeah, but I, I don't think that there have definitely been times where I've tried to just sit down and write. And I think I can do that pretty well when it comes to like instrumentation. Um, I can usually like get like a rough sketch of something going on, whether that's like just some drums and some like chords or maybe like a melody that I can figure out in that moment. But for lyrical stuff, I, which is usually what will come last, um, I, I have to just follow the urge or I'll never like, I think you end up with a more um, like honest product if like you're in that moment right then and you just like really mark it all down. And then of course you have to sift through, you know, your chaotic ramblings, but that's the fun part. Sometimes you get to leave in some of the chaotic ramblings. Sometimes that's good. True, true. So um, <laughs> you came out with the little uh, like EP with Ike. Mm -hmm. How did that come about? So Russ and I have never met in person, we ended up meeting through the internet because I was doing a Cobra Starship cover set for Halloween last year for a live stream. And I needed somebody to do the Travi McCoy part in Kiss My Sass. So I just like tweeted about it. I was just like, are there any former scene kids out there who rap who would wanna be in on this? And then Sam Kless from Just Friends texted me and was like, hey, like my friend Russ like has this project and like, this flow's pretty good, like maybe hit him up. And so I like nervously, I'm like sending this DM <laughs> to a person I don't know, like a cold DM. And I'm just like, hey, it'd be like, cool. Like totally understand if, if not, like we don't know each other. And he was just like, oh, that's super cool. I'm super down. Um, and then we ended up just becoming like really, really good friends. I feel like Sam was kind of a matchmaker there because <laughs> we became really good buds. And, you know, we listen to each other's music and we talk about process and, you know, all sorts of things. And I knew that he was sitting on a couple songs and I had a couple songs that I was sitting on also. And I didn't really know what I was gonna do with mine. And it seemed like through our conversations that he didn't really know what he was gonna do with his either, whether it was gonna be singles or do another album or an EP. And so I just texted him one day, I was like, would you wanna like maybe do a split? 
And he's like, yeah, that sounds cool. And we were, you know, on discord talking about what to do. And initially we were just going to do this, you know, kind of the traditional split where it's just two songs from each band. And then Sam Kless, once again, being a mastermind, um, had the idea of like, why don't you make it more collaborative and do some songs together and then like remix each other's tracks as well. Yeah. It was more daunting at that point because we didn't have, you know, the songs already prepared and just ready to like put out. Uh, but I think we both had a lot more fun in the process getting to kind of play with each other's stems, like getting to get all of the stems from Ike's song was just like so cool to me because that was like my favorite song from his album and we were we kind of had to talk about it we were like oh what song should we do for each other and I was like I want to do the bruise like I'm just gonna say that and he's like that's what I was gonna say you should do and he's like oh which of yours do you want me to do and I was like oh, I don't know like you can totally choose but it like I think it'd be cool if you did misery and he's like that's exactly what I was thinking um and then we wanted to do a cover and we we really didn't know on that and I was just trying to think of something that would get like the nostalgia vote, you know, and picture Kid Rock and Cheryl Crow. That's like a super nostalgic song for me. I can always remember like hearing that in my my mom's old Corolla back when I was a kid. Um, and it was funny because I don't think Russ had like ever even really heard that song. Um, and he really trusted me on that, which was really, really cool. Um, and so we went for it and I think it turned out really cool. It, it was nice too, because the Make Me Famous, which was the single, we already were doing that song together. Uh, I had already like tracked my verse and all this stuff. So it just kind of made sense that that would be like the lead single because it was gonna come out eventually anyway. Yeah. So it was really fun that it got to be a part of like a larger collaboration between the two of us. Um, yeah, but it's, it's just very strange. like it's the kind of the beauty of the internet and of like this music scene kind of existing on Twitter. Like it, it got to bring me to a person who I love so dearly now. And I can relate to so much being like kind of a weird artist in the greater scene. You know, we both make like weird electronic music and it's, it's really cool to kind of have that camaraderie and to be able to collaborate because we both also have very different scopes as far as our tastes and our inspirations. So getting to like bring that together was really, really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's crazy you met on Twitter. Like I feel like lately I've met so many people on Twitter and it was actually cause of like this ska scene. It's like not just ska, like it's still ska with a little, you know, just diversity, but <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. it's so wild. And it's crazy you bring up just friends. Like I'm going to talk to Kevin Oh, nice. Also. Oh, of course. And um... Kevin is like my favorite bassist in the world. So I sick. love his playing so much. Yeah, he he played on my album. He played oh. on Ragdoll. Yeah, which was like really cool. I yeah, that was like. I oh, my God, I love just friends <laughs> one. Yeah, two. I love Kevin's playing. And when I was doing Ragdoll, I had this like whole song. It was like pretty much done. And I was like, there is something missing. And it had like sub bass and like, not really a bass line, but you know, I was just like, yeah, it's like, I'm trying, I was trying really hard with the album to not have too much just of me shredding on bass because I wanted to try something different, you know, <laughs> kind of get out of my comfort zone. But I knew as I got to that point with that song, I was like, 
the thing that this is missing is Kevin going absolutely nuts on it. And, <laughs> and I was just, I was so pleased. It was like exactly what that song needed. And I was so, so happy to get to like have him on it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so wild. It's such a small world too. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Um, okay. I just want to bring up touring. Cause you, it sounds like you've toured like a bunch and that's <laughs> yes. awesome. Um, yeah. how do you like, well, I guess because of the pandemic, it's not happening now, maybe sooner, but when you were touring, how did you like, I don't want to say live, but like, as far as like <laughs> balance, like touring and having to like have a work life, stuff like that, maybe for people who don't know or who want to tour. Yeah. Um, I have, I think kind of a unique situation being that I am able to work from the road um, because most of my income is from graphic design, illustration sort of stuff. Um, so I've always been able to work from the road, but at the same time, it, it is still very draining to do so. And I think previously, pre-pandemic, I kind of had, I had like kind of a come to Jesus moment during the pandemic where I was like, I was going a little crazy, going like definitely kind of burning the candle at both ends and definitely using like my own productivity as like a distraction. Um, and so I would say my main advice to people who do want to tour and who want, want to retain that sort of balance is you got to make time for yourself. You, you can't like, you can't just say yes to everything, even though you really, really want to, like you have to set really clear boundaries for yourself and for your mental health. And also just for the health of your body. Cause like touring it, it's not, it's not easy on your body. Like it really isn't. Um, and finding those times, not only like at home to rest and like making sure you have like enough time off between tours, but on the road as well, like finding ways that you can like feel comfortable and, you know, take some time alone. Like it, it can become very draining for people who have social anxiety like me um, <laughs> to always be like in a room with all of these people. So having like a really good routine, I think is part of it. Like I always uh, will do like a workout or I'll do some yoga, like by myself, headphones in like somewhere in a venue or like outside by the vans where I just like fully shut off to everybody else for, I don't know, a solid hour or so. Um, usually somewhere between like load in and when we have to play. Um, and that is so, so important. And it's just, it, I think there's the FOMO aspect, I think comes in a lot. And I realized that I was kind of a victim of the FOMO kind of phenomenon where I was taking on a lot of projects and a lot of tours all at once. And that made it very difficult for me to ever really know myself I think I was kind of just operating my like flesh mech through like playing gigs and it's so I I love playing shows I love performing and I love seeing my friends like it is the thing that really like invigorates me but at the same time I think it was really like suppressing so much um so it's really important to make sure that you make some time for yourself <laughs> like really make some time for yourself but also like people who are like working jobs at home also and, and have to like take off from those jobs. I would say it's, it's not easy, but finding a remote job is like 
the most clutch thing you can do if you want to tour because it will make everything easier you can work on the road you don't have to worry about that lost income unless you know some people get that paid time off which is pretty sweet i think that's cool but you know finding other things to kind of supplement income also while you're on the road it's it's hard out here but that's that's my big advice it's not easy for everyone i i am very privileged to be able to like sustain myself with like design and all of that but i i do urge other people to try to find some sort of situation like that where they can use their skills and do that on the road yeah absolutely that's really good insight um so what is your plans for the rest of the year plans for the rest of the year all right so i am going out to New Jersey to practice with Safe Face in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're just getting ready for the tour that we're doing with Mom Jeans at the end of the year. Um, and we're playing a lot of new songs. So obviously want to get really, really versed with that. Um, we've got Riot Fest coming up with the weekdays, which is going to be super cool. We just had a couple of days of practicing where we all got together and got to jam on our new songs, which was really, really fun. And God, I can't wait to play with 303. It's going to change my life. <laughs> it's going to be so cool. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think probably play some Get Tough shows. There's one on the docket that's not announced yet, so I can't say anything about that. But <laughs> playing some Get Tough shows, I'm going to keep making some music. Always just making music, sitting right here where I am right now, just playing bleep bloops on my computer um yeah i want to keep doing some more bass covers too that's i always realized that that like that has really um elevated my playing in such a way like i felt like i got really stagnant when i was just playing uh you know playing shows all the time playing like the same set over and over and like learning new music on bass has like really like broadened my scope of like stuff that i want to play and it's like helped me write more and I just want to keep getting better. I want to be the best. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> a tip for bass covers, do a Fortnite bass cover. Oh You'll my get God. Crazy views because oh my God. out of everything I've put out, my Fortnite cover has over <laughs> 2K views and like it's almost been two weeks and it's wild. Oh my God. So do a Fortnite is, cover and you'll that's get That's a good views. idea. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thanks for the tip. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and where can people listen to you? all streaming services i'm on everything spotify uh apple music title pandora why am i on there i don't know i'm on all of them distro kid puts me on everything yeah <laughs> shout out to distro kid shout out distro kid honestly it's so nice like oh uh, yeah i i love it awesome well thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to me i appreciate yeah. it um you're living the life and i'm super jealous <laughs> Uh, but you know, hopefully I can catch you on the show if you come to San Antonio. Yeah. And if you need any great. venues, you know, let me know and I got you. Awesome. Thank you for having me.